It's a special Sunday. There have been two in a row now, Vision Sunday. And so I want to hang in that space. Vision 2.0 is what we like to call it. What do you see when you close your eyes and you open your heart? It's a question God has been speaking to us as a church about. It's the question I believe He wants to ask us as a people throughout this year. Look again. You've seen it with your physical eyes. Now what does your heart eyes tell you? And so we're going to be talking about this throughout the, the year. I can promise you that wasn't just one Sunday. We're going to hang in that for a while uh, because vision themes are amazing. They calibrate us for years. It's not that what we've seen as vision the years before is lost. It's just another layer. And so we, we build upon layer upon layer upon layer of vision. And so if you're here for the first time, I want to encourage you to go and watch last week's message as we unpacked what it means to look again. You see, week one of vision, I like to call it the prophetic moment, where we give a phrase or a word that frames our thinking for a year. In this case, look again. We ask the question, what do you see when you close your eyes and open your heart? Today, what I want to do is I want to kind of remind you a little bit of what we spoke about first up last week. And then I want to share a perspective as to how God wants us to look again this year in a practical sense of the word and in how we build the world around us. And then I'm going to challenge you with a question that I believe will activate us all today to make a significant impact on the planet. Are you ready? Say to neighbor, say, I'm ready for it. Ready for it. And so last week I spoke about how often when it comes to vision um, or when it comes to provision in this case and protection, the two prayers we most consistently pray, the question I asked is, what if it's already there? We looked at two stories from Elijah and Elisha. What if everything we pray for is already there, we just can't see it and we don't know how to access it by faith? We, we're calibrating everything we want with our physical eyes. Maybe this is going to speak to you even today again, but God wants us to reframe it with our, our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our hearts. Paul prayed that prayer, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you. There's a progression to how we discover and encounter hope and inheritance, and it begins by our heart eyes being open. And so we spoke about that last week. I hope it encouraged you to look again. It's been good to see some imagery all over. I must just say that I've seen look again on mirrors around the building. I've seen it. People have told me they've put it up on mirrors in their home. I believe you can buy uh, like license disc stickers at Wonderland, like packs of license discs. People have got them in their cars. And so everywhere people are going now, it's like, hey, look again, look again. And that's what it should feel like. Because when we unite under one vision, God, I believe, blesses His church. And so if I can encourage you to do one thing before you leave today, if you're new to join us in the Welcome Lounge, you want to say hi, uh, we'd love to meet you. It's just outside here. But if you want to also just take a photo, you'll notice a clouded wall, like, like, a, like a board with clouds up on it. It says, look again outside there. Um, that is a photo wall. Instagram, I'm told. Insta. And so why don't you go and snap an Insta pic? Come on, older generation. Why don't you go and teach us all? You can choose if you're old or not, by the way. But why don't you teach us all? Go and get a photo of you and your girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, no one's keen, bro. I'm just being honest. I'm trying to encourage people to build intimacy in their marriage, and they're just sticking to the one from when they're 21 because they like what they look like then. Take a moment. Look again. Praise Jesus. She's even better than she was back then, and he is so much more desirable. So why don't you go and be your most desirable self, give a friend a hug, do whatever, take a moment on the look again wall outside, and then hashtag look again 2022 and hashtag Link Church or at Link Church, put us in the handle. Let's make the most of this vision moment. Let's talk practically. A while ago, God started to speak to me about 
looking again, you know a bit of that story from last week. And it kind of took me to a strange part of the scripture, which I want to kind of put forward to you today. A practical framework, if you like, for building a reimagined future. The title of the message is Life Reimagined. Quick story before we jump in. Last year, and I'll tell it in hindsight now, it's much better that way. Last year or the year before, the beginning of COVID, here's the story I heard. First week, lockdown. No one's talking, a couple of Zoom chats. Interesting, we're all just calibrating. Second week, third week, fourth week, fifth week. Hard lockdown's over. We're back in shopping malls. We can see each other. The conversation goes like this. Dill, it's been amazing. I thought it would be terrible, but it's been incredible. I've got time to spend time with my kids. Like, yeah, that was you, just wait. I've had this moment. I've, it's been so incredible to, to force me out of my, this is the word people use, busyness, and into what matters most. I can't tell you how many times I heard a conversation something like this. I got to spend more time with my, my wife. It's been amazing. We've been sitting around the dinner table. We've been brying. Praise Jesus for a good South African bra. Brying daily. Like every day. It's been incredible. I thought it would be terrible, but it's actually been so good for us. It's been so amazing to be out of the, the office and the, the hustle and the bustle and the corporate rush and, and travel for so many. And it's been so incredible just to, just to be just to have some, some quiet and resolve and some silence. And I heard this from so many. I even heard people, and maybe it was you, saying, um, you know what's been amazing is online church. I mean, Link went from gathering like we are now to all online in the space of what felt like seconds. And, and a couple of weeks later, when we got to reconnect a little bit in face-to-face and say, how are you doing? Not in gatherings, but in the shops, they're saying, it's actually been quite nice. I wake up slow. You know, that was you. It's been quite cool. I slow my day up a little bit. Wake up, put the TV on, pour a cup of coffee. Look, shout out. If you're a parent with a two-year-old, non-existent relaxation. But for everyone else, it was like a cool moment. It's actually been quite amazing. Like, it's been nice to just be in our own space and be together and, and, and be that bed or the lounge or the sofa. It doesn't matter. It's, it's been a nice moment. All right, let's fast track a little bit. That was the first three months of COVID and lockdown. Fast track. Nine months, 10 months. 12 months. Dill, are we going to be gathering again anytime soon? Like really missing it, really missing the gathering. Can't wait to get out of the same home that I was very excited to be in in the beginning because it was nice. I was forced out of busyness and I went into my space and I got to connect with my spouse and now we're eating each other and I actually need some space again. And so when are we connecting? When is things opening up? Have you heard anything from the president's office, Dill? Do you have secondhand information or firsthand that I can just relay and just recalibrate because I'm done. I can't do this another day. Honestly, another moment with my children, 10 months. Like anyone, anyone remember how the conversation went? Anyone just like want to have an honest moment with me? It's been incredible, Dill. So nice to be out of the rush and busyness. This is horrendous. I cannot wait. I mean, people bought home gyms and sold them 10 months later. Can you believe that? I'm going to get fit, strong, and healthy. I'm going to get onto collagen. I'm going to make sure I don't eat anything that hasn't be, that's been processed. And now, 12 months later, I just feel like a good takeout with my friends, some juicy ribs at a local restaurant, please. We're strange like this. Here's the problem. We think that what we need to resolve a busy, cluttered life 
is quiet. But what we actually need is calling. John Mark Homer, a friend of ours, has written a few books. You may know them. He wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And he said at the beginning of lockdown in a Zoom conversation I had with him, he said, in this moment, the church will have a big question to ask itself. Are you going to use this time for escape or for encounter? Because being at home away from the busy office and close to the kids you love and the spouse you want to reconnect with can look like a good solution, but it can be just an escape from the busyness that you were already trying to leave. You see what I'm saying? The problem is we think that if we can leave the perceived noise, clutter, busyness and address it with quiet, it will resolve what is going on in the inside, but it doesn't. Quiet doesn't heal us or move us forward, calling does. When I speak of calling, I'm talking about that little thing inside you that lines you up with the purpose of God in your life. I'm talking about that little, that little niggle in your spirit that keeps reminding you what you were born for, which is big, by the way. Whether you think it looks like that or not, I just want to recalibrate your God lens for a moment. You were born for big. And calling is that little thing that keeps reminding you. There's that thing in you that you were born for. There's that, there's that business dream. There's that, there's that family that you, that you wish for. There's that, there's that child and father relationship that you, that you know God wanted to rewrite through your family story because it hasn't been like that for generations. I'm, I'm called to rewrite my family history. I'm called to build wealth and change the future. I'm called to shift the economic needle of our nation. I'm called to build church. I'm called to uplift the poor. I'm called, it's there, it's, it's in you. It's stirring all this all the time and I want to tell you friends the problem with the beginning of lockdown is that for so many people out there we addressed it with quiet and we neglected call encounter not escape is the solution to God's people on the planet because every time you get close to God can I preach of your life Every time you get in the presence of God, like today, or with your friends, or in a moment in your business when you pray together, anytime you make yourself available to God, He starts to stir what He's calling you to. Because destiny matters in the gospel. God has destiny for His people. And so God has been showing us and helping us see that it's calling that's going to shift things in the nation. And so as you go back into offices, go figure, as you start traveling again, I pray that today's framework, thought at least, will give you a perspective to the kind of calling God wants for your life that will make significant impact in the world you're in. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1 to 6. Proverbs, a book of wisdom. We started our year looking at winning, putting wisdom in. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 1 to six says it like this wisdom has built her house she has hewn out its seven pillars and prepared her meat and mixed her wine we're about to go into a series called seven where God begins to speak to us I believe through the seven expressions of the Holy Spirit in Isaiah 11 but it was birthed from this space she prepared her meat and mixed her wine there's a feast coming she has set her table so wisdom builds a house, prepares meat and wine, sets the table, watch this, and has sent out her maids and calls from the highest point in the city. Let all who are simple, I think that's the word that really came to me right there, all who are simple come in here. 
It's the invitation of the church, by the way. There's been a meal prepared. God's building is up, and He's calling anyone who's willing to hear it to come in here. Not to change your life, not to quote five scriptures, not to promise the world, just to show up. And she says to those who lack judgment, that'd be me again. Tap your neighbor and say, I think that's you. Okay, just warming you up. Not sure about that one, Pastor. Come and eat my food. Drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. This references to Isaiah 11, seven expressions of the Holy Spirit. Wisdom builds through trusting the Holy Spirit, seven expressions in our life to make an impact wherever we go. And as we start to do what God has called us to do, not just being quiet, but living out calling, when that starts to happen in us, the expression of God in our lives begins to build the kind of places and spaces that others feel like they're feeding from. And when we all do it together, we begin to raise the roof over society that helps many feel like they have a place to call home. Let me show you what this looks like. There's seven pillars that many would call the mountains of influence. If we can put it up, it's a picture I asked our team to put together. These are seven pillars that perhaps drive societal norms or successes or, let's, let me say it like this. When these pillars are healthy, society feels great. These are some of the pillars. Family, when family's strong. Education, when education is strong. Social justice, when we're uplifting poor and impoverished communities. Media, entertainment, you can add in there sport and art, culture. Uh, the church, when social, well not social, spiritual health is strong. Health and wellness, Obviously a pillar, when we're strong physically, it makes a difference. And of course, when business or governance or economics is strong, the society we live in is better. Now, I'm gonna ask you to just leave that up for a while. I want you to kind of keep seeing the lens of this thing. Look again, I believe God is saying, look again at the seven pillars that hold up society and ask Him what it means to build yours in a way that raises the roof for others to feed. Let me stick with this analogy for a bit. When I was in Israel, I uh, had the privilege of traveling around to some Jewish communities, surrounding communities. And it was amazing to see how in old Jewish culture, there would be like a house or a place of dwelling, so to speak. And then just outside, there would be what many would call an outer court. Some would call it the outer temple, but uh, it, not typically the temple that we know of, of worshiping in, more a place to feed from. And, and that was built with seven pillars, practically built with seven pillars. And the more I saw this, this, this picture, the more I realized God was trying to say something to me in my spirit. What they would do is they would build these temples. There'd be seven pillars, much in that design. One, two, three, four at the top, five, six, seven, with a gap at the bottom. And they would access the family table. This is where they would come home to feed or to feast after a big week's work. It's where Shabbat meals would happen. It's where dads would bless their sons and daughters as they came of age, 13. And it's just all these amazing celebrations would take place at the table. And as I would drive, I would see some of these outer buildings broken. And I would see that the table obviously has no more access. And I would start to ask myself, what happens when we lose access to the table? How does it affect society? One of the most powerful um, values of Jewish community and the old Bible community was feasting around the family table, speaking life over each other, cheersing to a great moments in time, speaking life, praying life over each other. What happens when the table is no longer accessible? Well, we begin to isolate ourselves and do life alone. And the more I saw the picture of this table in Israel, the more God started to speak to me through the story of Proverbs. Seven pillars, wisdom has built the house. And when they're up, 
the table's accessible. And when the table's accessible, community and love flows. But when the pillars are broken and the table seems far away and inaccessible, so life begins to become frustrated and fatigued and withdrawn, and you can fill in the blank. And I wondered this year as we look at the picture of look again, if God is asking us to take a fresh look at seven things that hold up society to the lens of faith. I wonder if he's asking us to see what he's already prepared for us. By the way, guys, God has prepared a feast for his people. The Bible starts with a meal, kind of has it going through the scriptures and ends with a feast in heaven. Did you know that? Like God wants us to feast. And he's not talking about just natural food. Although praise Jesus, we've got some good options out here on the coast. Can't wait for lunch myself. But he's talking about feasting on life. Feasting on the bread of life, Jesus. And what he's saying, I believe, is when we will see the area of life he's called us to influence, when we will look again and realize the value we have on the picture as a whole, what we'll do is we'll raise the roof, figurative roof, raise it over society so that many, you and I and many others, will have a place to feast. Because here's what I know, the world is fatigued and we need food. Not physical food, spiritual food. We need the life of God to get back into every part of us. Not just our Sundays, but imagine Him in our family Mondays. The chaos of the school lift on Tuesdays. The worst business strategy meeting you've had, Wednesday afternoon. Graveyard shifts, but the meeting was called by your foreign investors right then. God wants to see life come back to spaces where we are frustrated and fatigued. Can I get an Amen. And so he's been speaking to me about the seven pillars. When the pillars are strong, friends, the table is not just full, it's accessible. You see, here's the thing. God provides the feast, but he's asking us to create the atmosphere of faith. And so I hear stories of business guys who will come to church at times and say, I just feel so disconnected from the church door. I just, I just feel like I don't have a role to play. I feel like, I feel like I'm out there doing my thing during the week. I just, I just wanna get involved in church. And then that same person, be it a businessman or businesswoman, will in the ordinary course of their day, will feel it on their hearts to put someone through school because they run a successful business, have the means to do that. Will feel it on their hearts to sponsor a project that we're a part of or get behind the vision of our church. Will feel it on their hearts and, and then somewhere in the narrative of Christianity, they've framed it that that's not enough. That their contribution is limited. But stick with me for just a moment. When businessmen and businesswomen build well, that pillars up. All right, we got one. So when you show up with passion, when you show up with urgency, when you ask for advice, when you seek out counsel, when you go after becoming excellent, you're building society. While that is happening, the social justice project that that business funds through their corporate funding or CSR funding, while that's happening, our church foundation and many other great organizations that do the same are busy uplifting impoverished communities. They're in local schools. They're running employment programs, feeding schemes. And so while businessman or woman is deciding that their, their role is insignificant and doesn't matter, their overflow is building another part of society. Are you with me? I'm gonna keep going because I wanna show you what we're doing together, church. Look again, life reimagined. And while the social justice arm is being uplifted, in the social justice arm is a passion for education. 
and schools are now being impacted because a businessman or woman chose to get behind a story bigger than themselves and now there's education that's starting to flow. We are behind, I think, two or three schools as a church organization that every year we're helping with their educational offering and the schools are flourishing. We're getting better results in the schools. The, the students are more uh, emotionally adept for the schools and so things are happening. And so social justice, is, education is happening. While the businessman is getting stirred, he's sending his children to school. They're meet, making, making friends with people around the sports field. And now the whole education center is increasing. Schools consistently have these ebbs and flows based on who's at the helm. Because we see it as building society as a whole, not just educating another child. Let me keep going. While education is happening, and schools, and at the first service, we had three heads of schools in our area at our church service. Praise Jesus. And while that was happening, there were family in the schools. So our children are going to school, and guess what? The heads of schools and the teachers of schools and the leadership of schools are being impacted with a kingdom perspective, looking again, a Bible lens. They're not just teaching kids. They're changing society. And while that's happening, as children are coming home, and they're healthier and stronger and better off. The same is happening as we meet in this room. Right next door, there are people that have given up their time to serve our children. And while that's happening, our children are getting stronger and braver and wiser and more spirit-led, and it's gonna shape something. Our family pillar is strong, praise Jesus. Youth on Friday night, 150 plus kids came in here. 21 chose to serve our church. Family is strong in our house. But I hope you can see the picture. While this is happening, Media and entertainment, we have people in our church, you will know them, they come in and out, profiled names, they're doing it to the glory of God. They're in church just like the rest of us. They happen to be in an industry that's profiled, they happen to have names that are, that are profiled and titles that are famed, but they're trying to do just what the rest of us are do: get the pillar up. Make an influence, a godly influence in the pillar they've been called to. And as media, arts, sport and entertainment, social justice, education, family, business, health and wellness, and then of course the church, which I'm gonna end with today, it's the most beautiful one. While this is all happening and we're doing what we do and it's all looking after each other, guess what? The roof of society, figuratively speaking, is getting higher so that everyone in our area, in our nation, by God's grace, by the end of it, have a place to access the feast of heaven. When you build your business, you're not just building business. You're raising the roof of society. When you raise awareness for social justice campaigns, you're not just serving underprivileged communities. You're raising the roof over society so that even privileged ones would feast better because we need this all to be active for God to be most present. Wisdom builds a house with seven pillars. And so we ask God, what does it look like, God, for us to go after what you've called us to with fresh eyes. Knowing that everything you've called us to has an impact on everything else. And as everything else is impacted, so the table is accessible again. God, speak to your church. Ephesians 1.23 says it like this. At the center of all this, right? I'm gonna hang in the church pillar for just a while. At the center of all this, Christ rules the church. The church, you see, is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is Christ's body in which He speaks and acts, and in which He fills everything. Say that word, everything. How many of you want God to fill everything? In which He fills everything with His presence. 
Watch the progression. God is teaching us to look again, church, this year. When we see things through His eyes, the church is His prize. And from the church flows life. And the life that flows doesn't just fill one part of you, it fills everything. All right, so we're talking about two things here. We're talking about pillars, naturally, that you and I are linked to that build society. And then we're talking about the cornerstone pillar of the church, which is when it is strong, the others have their greatest influence. The church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church in which he lives and breathes and has his being. And when the church is alive and active and strong and pulsing, guess what happens? There is overflow for those that are involved in media, arts, and entertainment. There is overflow for social justice. There's overflow for education. You see where this is going. And so when the church is pulsing, and God knows we have begun this year with fresh perspective. If we look around, the landscape hasn't changed much, but the atmosphere and spirit of our hearts has. The church is alive and well. You and I are positioned, friends, to shape a new narrative over this nation or a greater narrative over this nation. And the way God does this is He mobilizes His church. He builds her through Sundays, through small groups, through serving, through sowing and investing. He's got all these things. We'll speak about them in detail as you get to know us, come to a meet and greet. He builds His church, and as He builds her, she has excess. So as you leave your gatherings, whether it be small groups or Sundays, whether it's the serving team that someone said something to you that just got you fired up for the business meeting, or whether it's you invested in the kingdom, you saw results from it, and now you want to do it again. No matter how it works, the church is the overflow, and when it overflows, you show up in your businesses, in your families, with a whole fresh perspective. And when you show up with a fresh perspective, Society wins. I said I was gonna start by recapping and look again. What if everything we want is already there, we just can't see it? Now I'm asking the question, what if everything we want and that God wants to build on the planet is already there? We just need fresh perspective to see it again. Your role matters. Your contribution matters. And your contribution crosses over with someone else's and when it all comes together, the kingdom of heaven grows and we all, when the future of our nation rests in the faithfulness of what we build. But at the corner of it all is His church. The apple of His eye, His bride. And there she is positioning people, you and I today, to move in such a way that changes everything tomorrow. I wonder how many people, I want to imagine how many people that we're trusting God to meet with are right there. Their lives are so close to being touched by the grace of God. There is a a new narrative coming over their lives and you stick with the family table. They're so close to feasting on true food and it's going to be our privilege to paving some of that path for God to move. So many things I feel it in my spirit. So many things God wants to do in our nation and our people. Will we see it? Will we see it? Will we look again at our businesses and our families? Look again at our children, how we raise them? Worship team, you can come and join me. Let's bring it into the church for just a moment. Ephesians 2, I started with that. I'm gonna read it again in the message version. It says it like this. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. We're no longer leaving the busyness of the office 
to go home in the quiet only to become more confused. We're not wanderers, friends. We're called chosen sons and daughters of God. You're no longer wandering exiles. The kingdom of faith is your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You don't have to feel like what you do is arbitrary and doesn't belong. Come on, God, speak to us about building your church. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. And He's using us all, contractors and corporates and teachers and social workers and students and stay-at-home moms, irrespective of how we got you and what He's building. He used the apostles and the prophets for the foundation. Now He's, look at me, using you. Now He's using you. Why would God want to use me? Because He made you with gifts and uniqueness and ideas that no one else has and skills that others won't have and nuances to who you are. Now He's using you. Why? Because there's no one else like you. And He needs it all to come together that society can on His grace and finished work. He's using you, fitting you together brick by brick. Don't you love that? Hashtag, be a brick. You know the cool thing about a brick? It's just got to be in position. Don't worry about the outcome of the building. Just line me up. Don't worry about 10 years from now, 30 years from now, God, I just want to be where I should be right now so that the picture you're painting, I'm a part of it. I just, I just want to be in position, wherever that means, God, just use me so that the story you're telling includes me. He's using you, fitting you together brick by brick, stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. I can see it with my eyes. A holy temple built by God. All of us, all of us built, my friends online, you too, all of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. And so when I give myself to the small part I play, I become part of the great story he's telling. I want to close today with a story and then we're gonna have an activation moment as I know God is speaking. I can feel it. Uh, met a guy, Dave Salyers, a few years ago at a business breakfast. He's very fortunate. Dave Salyers was the two IC to a guy by the name of Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy was the founder and CEO for many years of a company called Chick-fil-A. Anyone had a Chick-fil-A sandwich? They call them sandwiches in the US. I'm not sure why. Chicken sandwich, chicken burger, Chick-fil-A. But an amazing food franchise, I think, Top two, top three franchises in the US. Amazing story. Truett Cathy, very accomplished businessman. Pillar strong. And Truett Cathy, I didn't know him personally, made a huge impact on the planet. And I've heard his name in so many circles that I was intrigued to know more about his story. So I asked Dave, who was his friend and worked with him for 45 years, what made Truett what he was? What was so unique about him? And so Dave begins, he says, well, Truett was a man of vision and he loved his family and 
You know, he, he loved community so much so that when, when Chick-fil-A's would launch a new franchise, what they would do is they'd put out invitation for anyone in the community who would want to come and learn how to make chicken in their world sandwiches and serve the public for the first few weeks as they established themselves as a local food store. And so people like you and I, moms and dads of children playing sports at local schools would, would volunteer their time in Chick-fil-A's to go and make chicken sandwiches for their children and children's friends and parents that came out of schools. And that way he would build community. So he was a great community man. I said, that's incredible. He said, yeah, there are many things about Truett. He said, he was a very steady man. He wasn't a greedy man. He said Truett was one of the very few stories in American history who remained a private family-owned business while becoming one of the top five in the U.S. Never listed, never borrowed, just grew and grew and grew. Family, private-owned business. Every franchise owned privately. So he said, he's an amazing man. He said, they would do cool things at Chick-fil-A. He loved his children so much that at Chick-fil-A, what they would do for, um, you know, community interactions, McDonald's would do a Happy Meal. They never had the same budgets. They would do dad and daughter dates. And they would give half price on chicken sandwiches and milkshakes for dads that brought their daughters. I wish I'd been there with my girl. I would have loved to try that. Purely because I like chicken sandwiches and they were half price anyway. And so Chick-fil-A would have dads and daughters sitting across their tables on Tuesday evenings. And so Truett would do these strange kind of things. This looks amazing. He said, yeah, many people would have done well to be in the company of Truett. He said, but Truett's legacy is bigger than all of that. I said, tell me. He said, Truett believed in church. So much so that they never opened Chick-fil-A's on Sundays. If you have been to the States and got hungry on a Sunday, you'll know that's not an option. Who as a fast food store closes its doors on the most socially busy day of the week? Think about every mall. Mall managers, you're crazy. We can't have you. He said, I'll pay full rental. We just won't open on Sundays. So he loved the local church so much that he would close his franchise doors for church. But it wasn't just to go to church. Truett served for 52 years running as a kids' church volunteer. Teach us to look again, God. I'm building business. You're building your church. Someone needs help in the area. Education. And Truett has got this picture unknowingly in his heart and spirit. And I pray God puts it in yours. Every Sunday, he would go and serve their kids' church. 52 years. He would close a winning concept to serve future generations. And he said, Truth's biggest dream was to win a prestigious award in America, which is to become the most loved family restaurant in the States. Year after year after year, McDonald's won the award. Their, their offering was just too good. Ronald McDonald, Play Parks, Happy Meals, year after year. And Truett always used to get in the room every vision, start of every year and say, team, we're believing this year that we're gonna see our name upon the most family loved, loved family restaurants in the US. And he said, until three years ago, Truett Cathy passed on. And he said, four months after Truett Cathy passed on, the award was given out in America. And guess what? You can see where the story's going. For the first time in Chick-fil-A's history, they were awarded 
the most loved family restaurant award in the US. And I said, and Truett missed it? He said, Truett never missed a thing. It's what he spent his whole life building toward. And he said, guess what they went and found out that year? Because they wondered how could such a small family-owned business take out a behemoth like McDonald's? And they noticed that 80%, somewhere around the 80% mark, 8 out of 10 people that owned and led Chick-fil-A franchises was served by Truett Cafe in Kids Church somewhere in those 52 years. And he had deposited such values, such love, such generosity that a CEO of one of the greatest businesses on the planet had gone ahead and built God's most loved vehicle, his bride, his church, in such a way that the overflow was that families around the US voted them in as the number one restaurant on their continent. If Truett Cathy, friends, can give himself one man with a passion for children, can give himself to serve the next generations, so much so that society has been transformed by his offering, how much more so you and I? How much more so you and I? As we take a moment and say, God, we don't care where we fit so long as we're part of what you're building. God, if I serve children, if I run sound, if I lead worship, if I pray for people after the service, if I build massive businesses that fund vision, God, if I, it doesn't matter what I do, if I'm a host team, God, if I serve in youth, God, I don't care where I serve, but I'm canceling some part of my agenda to come and build your agenda. And I'm praying by the grace of God that whether I live to see it or whether I die, that the legacy of my life would be those I impacted went on to change things. Amen? Yeah, amen. I'll never forget that story. And I can't tell you a moment doesn't go by where I think of Truett Cathy's story and find myself going, God, just find me faithful in your local house. At the slightest chance that you use that to change generations to come. And so I don't want this to be a thing that you have to overthink. I want you to just be yourself in this moment. I really, I think our church is always being very quick to free people up. Just be free, just you choose. But I wanna ask you this question. What's God saying to you? As I speak, as I tell the story, as you see the narrative, what is God saying to you? 